The following message is from Bear Creek Church. More information about BCC is available at bearcreekchurch.org. Hey, everybody. Yeah, it's me. You didn't think I would miss this opportunity to do the talking, did you? I want to thank you for coming to my service today to show your support for my family, our church family. I, I really appreciate it. I, I think you'll enjoy the service. We've got some really cool things planned. For example, the third hour is going to begin with an interpretive dance by Pastor Brian to the song, Wind Beneath My Wings. And he told me he bought a new leotard just for the occasion. So that should be awesome. Don't miss that. I want to thank you for being so kind to me and my family through this challenge. Thank you for continuing to keep an eye on and encourage our children and grandchildren. And I know I don't even have to mention my sweetheart. Please protect and take care of my sweetheart of these many, many years. In just a moment, I'd ask you to do something special. To me, making connections in the body of Christ has always been one of my favorite parts of being a pastor, someone with a need, connecting with somebody with a solution, people making connections with each other, people making connections with the Lord. Sometimes those connections begin with a simple greeting. So would you do this for me in just a moment? Would you jump up from your seats, move around, find somebody you're not already acquainted with, and introduce yourself. Get to know a little something about them. Take four, five, six minutes to do this. And then our service will begin with some wonderful singing and great sharing. I hope that this service will be an encouragement to those of you who already know and love and trust Jesus and have the assurance of salvation at your death, like I do and does have the hope, like I do, of a new life in Christ. And for those of you who don't, that this service will encourage you to evaluate the claims of Christ Jesus to save all those who turn to him in humility, trusting in him, for forgiveness of sin, accepting the lavish 
gift of the love of God in his son. For now, though, let's jump up and make some connections. I'm sure you weren't expecting to be instructed by Pastor Dale on the importance of relationships at his own memorial service. Jesus says in the book of John, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and so see my glory. Charles Spurgeon, the English Prince of Preachers, has said of this verse, and we, today, let's ask the question, what can be more right than we should be to go home to be with our Father? For from him we came, to him we owed our life, we should, and those who believe in the Lord Jesus, at last will dwell in his presence. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Bear Creek Church. Um, I'm Pastor Jim Cartwright, honored to have been an associate pastor with Pastor Dale here for 23 years and a friend of Petey and Nancy and the Metters for over 25 years. On behalf of Nancy and the Metters, David, Stephen, Anne, Rebecca, Gabe, Petey's six grandchildren, and the Metter family, thank you for taking the time out this afternoon to be here. And in many cases, you traveled many miles to be here, thousands of miles, but nothing was going to keep you from being here this afternoon. And greetings to online, others that are joining us, who Pastor Dale deeply loved in Southern Africa and Thailand and Cambodia and Central and South America, Turkey and Jordan and other nations and peoples around the world. Whether it was a ride-along with police officers, or sitting quietly at the hospital with someone from church, or supporting an adoptive family's finalization at the courthouse, or teaching a class of Bible students in South Africa, Pastor Dale was always a shepherding pastor. In other words, he would come alongside those in his care and want to know, wouldn't he? Really know. Eyeball to eyeball know how Jesus understands and asks us to cast out, cast all of our cares upon him. And you know, too, from your own interactions that's why you're here. That's why this, this, our time is so special. You know, too, of the interaction that Dale has, has had on your life and how he was interested in you, all that you were involved in. He wanted to know all the details to shepherd us, to guide us to the good shepherd. Tim Challies has said something that I believe applies to Pastor Dale. He said he acknowledged that unless he was aware of how their lives differed from his own, 
he could easily assume too much and understand too little. And he would walk families like today, whom he had a loved, who had a loved one that died, and Pastor Dale would sweetly pray with them and help them tailor a wonderful God-honoring memorial service. Our desire today is the same as what PD would recommend for anyone that he officiated a memorial service. Last week, Nancy and the family prayed and concluded that our time today would result in two fitting objectives. The first, Pastor Dale really, really wanted. Foremost was that we remember the gracious, abundant, hopeful promises of God in his word to those who put their trust in him. And the second, which PD would be more reluctant, because as we all know, Pastor Dale, when you ask him, how how are you? He would say, better than I deserve. He would say that about this memorial service. But we're going to sweetly, fondly, kindly, and lightheartedly, because he primed, primed us already, remember this man to recall the impact he had. And I hear the word often, I've heard the word often, the word shaped. He shaped so many of us. And we pleaded with, uh, who, plead, who, who shaped us and pleaded with us that Jesus is worthy. And we who are blessed to have had him in our lives. Bear Creek Church's Pastor Bill Pritchett, who loved Pastor Dale dearly, will open our time with prayer. Well, again, I am Pastor Bill. I want to make sure that's clear. You don't think I'm Pastor Brian. I'm going to come up here in a leotard later on. It's important to me that you know that. (laughs) My wife and I started attending BCC in June of 1999, almost 24 years ago. Pastor Dale always encouraged learning names. He even had a deal that if you were, if you come one week and by the next week, he doesn't remember your name and everybody in the family, he would take you to lunch. Well, as the church grew, the budget didn't allow for that offer to continue. You know, he also encouraged that we need to, when a need arises, to just stop and pray right then. I remember one time he was talking with a husband and wife, and the wife was was sharing a struggle that she was going through. And I I was walking by, and he he called me over and shared what was going on and encouraged me to, to pray for them. So I did. And as I started, it suddenly dawned on me, I could not think of her name. I've met her many times, spoken to her, but I could not in that moment think of what her name was. She is not here, so we can tell this story. I continued to pray constantly going, what is it? I can't think of the name. Until I was done and I you know, obviously just kept it a little more surface and, and we moved on and later on, Pastor Dale was laughing at me. And he came up and he said, you couldn't remember her name, could you? I said, no. 
He said, that's okay, neither could I. I asked you to pray so that you would say the name and then I would know. I thought that was genius. You know, we didn't know at the time, but over the years, Pastor Dale always taught on the topic of suffering. Who knew that 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 would be such a reality in my family as we experienced our own times of suffering and heartache? So I am, of course, very thankful to the Lord for Pastor Dale and the gifts that he gave him and how he used those to minister to to me and to my family. He was my pastor, my co-laborer in the faith, my mentor, and my friend. Would you please pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the grace that you show us every day. We thank you for the life of Pastor Dale and the gifts and strengths that you gave him. And also that you gave him the desire to use those gifts in a way that was honoring to you. That his using those gifts is demonstrated by those that are here in this room today to remember his life. You tell us in your word to weep with those who weep. And many in this room are hurting and weeping as they miss a man who was a husband, a dad, a grandpa, a son, a brother, a pastor, a chaplain, a mentor, and a friend to so many. You also tell us in your word to rejoice with those who rejoice. And we do rejoice in knowing where Dale is today. You tell us also to not grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve, but we grieve with our hope firmly in you. Our hope is in the truth of the gospel. That while we were still sinners, while Dale was still a sinner, Christ died for us. Christ died for Dale Metter. At the very moment Dale's earthly body died, he was alive with you. We ask for your comfort and grace during this time, but also ask that you help us to not move on and forget, to forget that Dale was made in your image. Help us to not forget the impact that was his life. Pastor Dale so wanted to live a life that honored you, even to the end. And by your grace, he did. We ask the same of our time today, that this time of remembrance would be honoring to you, that this would be a time of encouragement to one another. Father, we thank you for Pastor Dale, but even more than that, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came, lived a perfect life, was crucified on a tree, and after three days rose again, defeating death. That is our hope. It is in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. One pastor has said, God has given us singing as one of the most precious and powerful expressions of our gladness in his glory. One of the experiences that Pastor Dale especially relished and encouraged was heartfelt and voluminous God-centered songs and singing. That thrilled him to hear that. I was with him at Promise Keepers gatherings and at pastor's conferences and 
during our Sunday morning services in this building when he would say, wasn't the singing especially magnificent today? Let's express our gladness in God's glory this way. Brent Watkins, friend of Pastor Dale, who married Pastor, uh, Pastor Dale married to my daughter Jessica <laughs> 20 years ago, will lead us in a rich medley of songs and hymns, of course, chosen. Thank you, Pastor Brian. I look forward to that dance. Boy, I, I can't tell you how much I look forward to that dance. My name is Steve Murphy. I'm one of the elders here at Bear Creek Church. So when Dale was planning this service, believe it or not, he had a lot to say about it. As you saw in his video, he, that, was, that was his plan. Um, he gave each one of us, the pastors and myself, uh, a specific role. And even, you know, his top choice to do music was Brent. And we're very, very happy that he was able to make the trip here from Texas. So we were all given different duties. And uh, Jim was given the, the opportunity to do a wonderful welcome, which he did an awesome job. Bill, that great prayer... Uh, Brian is going to be giving a, a, besides the dance, is going to be giving a message a little bit later. And I get to do the jokes. Oh, your expectations are already too high. So I, of course, like a good engineer, when he gave me that, I went immediately to the internet did a search on memorial appropriate jokes. You said three hours? Well, uh, maybe I, and so I, I limit, I kind of narrowed it down a little bit because that was a little bit much. And I said, jokes appropriate for a pastor. A priest, a rabbi, and a reformed pastor walk into a bar. Uh, you know what? Never mind. Forget it. Forget it. We don't have enough time, and you just laugh too much. So, um, do we have that special slide? Some of you might ask, why am I sitting in Pastor Dale's lap? We'll come, I'll get to that in just a couple minutes. Um, if you came and asked me, you'd like, that saying that you'd maybe like to go out for coffee or dinner with one of the pastors or elders of our church... And then ask me which one maybe to invite. I would have to think, I would probably ask you a question. Say, well, what are you hoping to do, you know, cover in that dinner or that time together? I said, if, if it was Pastor Brian would say, you know, if you have a real challenging theology question or maybe want a good book, book recommendation, that he would be the choice. If you wanted some good counsel on a wide range of topics, Pastor Bill would be the one to invite. If you want to be a better person, Pastor Jim is the one you want to invite to dinner. If you are one person short in putting together a trivia team, I am your guy. But if you wanted to be encouraged, Pastor Dale was the one you would want to invite to dinner. You know him. For Dale, being encouraging to others was like breathing. 
And as you have already witnessed in this service, Dale continually pushed us to get out of our comfort zones and to make connections with people. Learn something about them. Let them know the good news of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ by caring enough to strike up a conversation with them. To make sure everyone who comes through that door on a Sunday morning in Bear Creek Church knows that we are happy they are here. And that their presence matters to us because it does. The first message I ever gave, heard Dale give was in a, a pool house in ni- uh, 19, or 1997, and it was covering the first ta- chapter of Joshua, where Joshua, or where God is, is telling the new leader of the nation of Israel to be strong and courageous. It, it's repeated multiple times. Wise and encouraging words to share with a group of people you are hoping to plant a church with 800 miles from your hometown. Dale encouraged me, along with Pastor Jim, to be a part of the BCC fledgling church leadership as elders. I I prayed about it and thought to myself, well, with the Lord's help, I could do it for a time and then step away and allow others to, to step in and fill those roles. And, well, here I am 26 years later in that same role. Dale and I share a sense of humor, and that has played a part in how some of our elder meetings have taken right turns at different times. Um, Side journeys into television trivia, occasional outbursts of laughter, but Pastor Jim would usually be able to rein us back in to accomplish the joyful task of shepherding. Pastor Brian, when first called to be an elder had mentioned that he had a preconceived notion that our elder meetings would be filled with deep theological, mysterious problems, or solving, you know, into into these subtleties of Scripture. Unfortunately for Brian, Dale and I were both at most of those meetings. (laughs) Pastor Jim, I just want to say, you are really, really patient, and I appreciate your long-suffering with us all these years. And I have to agree, but I have to agree with Nancy, who, what, who, said, who shared with me, and I had to agree. Dale had, when Dale had an idea and encouraged you to be a part of it, it was really difficult to say no. That's how I ended up in his lap, <laughs> because he asked me to, and I couldn't say no. And I, and I found out that picture is memorialized in a memory book that Nancy has. Of Pastor Dale's, Pastor Dale wraps it up uh, memory book, and uh, that's on one of the front pages. That's that's great. Great. A sovereignly appointed meeting at a church nursery in Northern California in 1979 began a friendship between Pastor Jim and Pat Cartwright and Charles and Dolores Mathlongu that some 30 years later would spark the beginning of a BCC ministry connection to Southern Africa. We received word in in the early 2000s that Charles had become the president of ESSA, the Evangelical Seminary of Southern Africa. Dale brought up the idea of beginning a ministry connection between BCC and that seminary. We all agreed that a good first step would be to send someone to see what is going on down there in person. And Dale turned to me and said, why don't you go? I swallowed very hard. And I said, let me pray about it, and I will get back to you. 
two short years later, I said, okay, I'll go. Okay, I'll just go. So Jason Hulse and I visited South Africa in 2005, touring the campus of ESSA, witnessing the school's ministry outreach, meeting several of the faculty and many students. Dale made the trip himself the next year and spent time teaching classes and, of course, meeting and getting to know everybody he possibly could while he was there. One young man who, besides being a student, was also a husband and a father of three, stood out among the rest. So much so that Dale made a point of staying in close contact with him. This relationship grew, and in my life I have never seen anything resemble the biblical relationship between Paul and Timothy more than Dale's relationship with that student, husband, and father, Sam Machaka. This ministry relationship brought about the founding of Brink Ministries, starting something at the borders of the nations, in which Sam is the field director serving Zimbabwe, Malawi, Southern Africa, many, many countries, many, many areas. Here's Sam, his wife Millie, daughter Samantha, some sons Manashi and Joshua, and Tawanda, a man whose life has been ministered to by Sam and redeemed by the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It was a joy for me um, and also for Millie to drive around South Africa with uh, Pastor Dave. Um, he would always say, I'm not pastor. Uh, he's a pastor, but pastor. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly <laughs> still, uh, but I would always love it that. But uh, we really enjoyed driving through um, throughout South Africa, especially in Pazulu Natal and Gauteng, Johannesburg area. And um, we almost got robbed uh, by two guys who were uh, following us. Uh, but uh, thankfully, we found a policeman to escort us to a safe uh, place. Um, yeah, we thank God for that. But again, uh, at ESSA, the Evangelical Seminary of Southern Africa, he loved the students. He loved to know each and every one of us. And he also visited the churches of the uh, pastors who uh, are now ESSA alumni. Uh, the likes of Nkosinati Kanyele, uh, Mambo Mkize, uh, Patrick Sila, Bongani Gumbi, uh, just to mention a few. He loved them so much and sometimes we would talk about them and I would see his passion for, for pastors. And this led to uh, the starting of Brink Ministries. Uh, we didn't know anything, you know, that uh, the Lord was going to lead us that way. But this led to the starting of Brink Ministries, which has, as of now, spread through, uh, throughout a number of uh, southern African countries, namely South Africa, uh, Malawi, Mozambique, uh, Zimbabwe, um, and Tanzania. And uh, in a few weeks' time, we will be going to, to, to Zambia. And each time we went on these outreaches, P.D. would always say he wished that he would be there with us. So he had a great passion for, for, the, for the church. Why? Because he loved Jesus. And this is why he loved us as well. It's because he loved Jesus. And he reflected the love of Christ everywhere we went. Um, lots of humor, uh, caring, and paid attention to detail. A, a very um, uh, Christ-centered but also he 
He, he listened to people, like for million and I, he listened to, to us, he got us, he understood us, and he saw us in a, or rather he found us in a place where we were rejected, but uh, somehow the Lord spoke to him and uh, he saw something in us, and today we are here, today we've reached the thousands of pastors and church leaders, we've uh, uh, ministered, in, ministered in many churches, uh, throughout Southern Africa, and this is all because of Pastor Dave. Uh, pastor, mentor, uh, family, we became family, and uh, you know, we became brothers. So, we are just thankful to the Lord for Pastor Dale. And right now, he is more alive today than he ever was. We thank God for. For PD, and we thank God for the murder family. And before I forget, every everywhere we we went with PD, whenever he was ministering, you find that he always took out his uh, his iPad and he would show off uh, his family, uh, his grandkids, uh, Nancy, and uh, uh, and and his kids, and uh, not just them, but he also uh, gave testimony of. Uh, People like uh, Brian and uh, and Haley Sakul Tarawan Watson. Um, he spoke of Devin a lot. Uh, he spoke about the testimony of how uh, faithful the Lord was uh, in your life and how faithful Devin has been. Um, yeah, he spoke a lot about uh, about Patrick Church and the elders and how joyful he was uh, to work with uh, men like that and women like that. That is an impressive man right there, loves the Lord and risks his life at times to spread the good news of the gospel around Southern Africa. Thankfully, Dale himself wasn't immune to being encouraged by others, specifically his daughter, Anne. When she was asked him to accompany her and be a short-term missionary or SCM at a Johnny and Friends camp in Mission Springs, California, a camp with a focus on ministering to families affected by disabilities. If, if you are familiar with our church, you are also familiar with Johnny Erickson Tata. A diving accident in 1967 left Johnny, then just 17, a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. After two years of struggling with depression and rehabilitation, she emerged with new skills and a fresh determination to help others with similar situations. Since that time, Johnny, along with her husband of over 40 years, Ken Tata, have advocated for and headed Christian Ministries for the Disabled, including Wheels for the World, that in 2020 delivered over 200,000 wheelchairs and Bibles to people living with disabilities in developing nations who have been rejected and ignored. The organization carries her lifelong missionary passion to share hope through hardship to people living with disability and their families. Author of over 50 books, and devotionals that cover topics ranging from disability outreach to understanding the goodness of God and the problem of suffering, including Diamonds in the Dust and More Precious Than Silver, two of my wife's very favorites, and co-authoring When God Weeps, Why Our Suffering Matters to the Almighty. What a mind. She also has hosted the nationwide radio and television programs Johnny and Friends for over 40 years. I just want to say that is a brief 
synopsis of Johnny Erickson Tata's biography. It is much more vital and wonderful and God-glorifying than just those few sentences. If you don't know something about Johnny, take some time and, be, and, bless, and bless your life by finding out more. Nancy has been a part of Johnny's online Pain Pals group for over eight years, created by Johnny to minister to those who, like her, cope with ongoing, oft-times debilitating pain issues every day. From that week of serving at Johnny Camp in 2005, the Holy Spirit created in Dale's heart a goal to make disability ministry a focus at BCC. From continuing to sponsor camp STMs to serve, helping families affected by disabilities to attend, and doing whatever we can to make it easier for those same individuals and families to attend church together and fellowship every week. The Spirit used Dale's talents to make BCC a welcoming place. Johnny graciously accepted an invitation to speak here in 2016. Here's a very special tribute from Johnny Erickson Tata. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata of Johnny and Friends, and I am so honored that Nancy and the family have uh, asked me to say a few words, but there really aren't enough words, are there, uh, to express at least Cantatas uh, and my love and admiration for Pastor Dale. Each of us here at Bear Creek Church today could ask us, go, we could go on and on um, talking about this most remarkable man. And, and I'm sure lots will be shared from the front, but as a quadriplegic who has lived long in this wheelchair, I thank God for the way Pastor Dale loved families who struggle with disability. He loved us with the love of Jesus. Um, true, until his first jaunt to our Mission Springs family retreat, Dale did not see the point behind disability ministry, but oh my goodness, he came back from that family retreat, a changed man, because he caught the vision of Jesus in Luke chapter 14, where the Lord calls the church to embrace the disabled, the lame, the blind, and, and so many more. Dale loved Johnny and friends. He loved kickstarting disability ministry here at Bear Creek, and he loved encouraging scores of young people to volunteer. I just bet there are a lot of volunteers in the congregation today, and I am thrilled that this amazing church here at Bear Creek has set up the Dale Metter Scholarship Fund to help more families and more volunteers participate. But you know what? Of all the things that I treasure most about Dale, I'm blown away by the way he handled his disability. It was never about ALS. It was about Christ. It was Dale's confidence in his sovereign God that enabled him to, I don't know, he, he kind of like, he defanged ALS of its terror. You know what I mean? He, he stripped that disease of its horror and he invited Jesus into the middle of it. And oh, didn't that bless us all, watching him the way he handled his disability. Um, he recognized that his own suffering was a way of encouraging others who suffer. And it so helped me in my quadriplegia and chronic pain because I want to finish my race in the way he did. I want, I want to run through the tape. I want to do what he did, listening to worship music up to the last minute, being fed on the word of God. Even when he wasn't eating anything else, he was eating the word of God. And I want to die like that. I want to do what Dale did. I, I want to squeeze every ounce of trust in God out of my paralyzed body. When I finally cross into eternity, I want to do it like he did it. 
So yes, you will hear from others today, but um, you need to hear it from the lady in the wheelchair because Dale would say so. Make sure that God has made his peace with you, please. Because Dale would tell you sin kills, hell is real, it's so real. Yet God's mercy can change you and Jesus Christ is the way. Do not leave Bear Creek Church today without knowing your eternal destiny is secure in the Lord Jesus. Because when trials threaten to sweep you away, whether it's ALS or cancer or spinal cord injury, make sure your house is built on the rock, Christ the rock of salvation. It's what Dale would want. And actually, it's what Nancy Metter wants. Today, my friend Nancy, one of my pain pals, uh, Nancy is giving you a small pamphlet called Johnny's Story that tells you how you can make it to the finish line like Dale did. Because I know, I just know that Dale Metter would want you to join him in heaven. So Nancy, my precious friend, my pain pal, may God's consolation support you and Anne and the entire Metter family. And again, friends, oh my goodness, thank you for honoring Dale with your memorial gifts to the Dale Metter Scholarship Fund here at Bear Creek. And on behalf of countless people with disabilities and their families who have been impacted by that man, God bless you and thank you. The little booklets that she mentioned, the My Stories, are in the back table. As you leave, please take one. And then at the same time, take uh, a copy of Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. Please. Well, Nancy asked if I would read this letter to you from some precious people in their lives when they were younger. This is from Nancy. She says, it's important that we read this letter from the one who lit a fire in ministry in Dale. That'd be hard to do, to light a fire in Pastor Dale, but this man and his wife did. Alan Collister pastored at San Diego Community Church. Dale was an intern for him. What year was that, Nancy? Do you remember the year he was an intern? 1970s. And their church supported Dale and Nancy financially through seminary. Alan and his wife, Joanne, are now in their 80s and live in Berkeley. He baptized David and Stephen and Anne. And Dale and Nancy have had a, an encouraging history with them together. You're going to hear the term, endearing term, tag used in this letter. I don't think we've heard it up here on the platform yet. But uh, this is Dale's nickname for those who really loved him. So we're going to hear that here. Dear Nancy, I'm so very sorry to hear about Tag's death. I appreciate that you let me know. I know that while he is in the presence of the Lord now, you're still having to deal with the pain. We really didn't know, did we, when we were promised, when we promised our spouses, in sickness and in health, till death do us part, what it was going to mean. Your physical pain never really went away. Then Tag's long, terrible illness and his death is the most painful of all. 
I think more and more of Moses' prayer, Lord, teach us to number our days aright, that we might gain a heart of wisdom. In those terms, the Lord has given you both some very tough assignments. I keep thinking of John 21, where Jesus explained to Peter in what way he would glorify God in his death. That's what it's about. You and Tag glorifying God by suffering as he assigned you to and by steadfastly loving and trusting him. Tag was very easy to love, so gifted, such a sweet spirit, so dedicated to the Lord and then to his ministry. He really blew them away at Westminster Seminary. They needed Tag to help them lighten up a bit. But they loved him. I love the wonderful work he did pastoring the Valley Center Church. It was a case of life coming out of death. I remember that warm June Sunday shortly before you moved to Medford, how powerful the church had become again. Amazing. Church planning in Medford was consistent with what each of you is in terms of character, abilities, and gifts. Any one of those who came to faith during these years or grew in faith was worth the whole thing. In any case, I share your grief over Tag's death, but also your joy that the suffering for him is over and then now it's joy. We're praying for you and you know how we respect and care for you. Oh my gosh, my dad would be so excited to see all these people here. <laughs> Thank you everyone for coming today. I am so grateful to see so many familiar faces here and um, many of you have also been visiting dad over the last few years, so much so that uh, our house has become a revolving door <laughs> with so many of you. But uh, I know many people said, well, I'll, I'll come to memorial service and dad was like, don't come then. I'm not going to be there. Say, like, come visit me now. So thank you to all of you who've written in over the past few years and have been such a support to us. Um, my name is Anne. I'm Dale's daughter. Uh, many of you know my dad in many different contexts, whether it's uh, a pastor, an uncle, a brother, Johnny and friends, co-worker, a friend. At one point, my family and I sat down and we tallied up how many jobs my dad had had once, and it told up to 36 different jobs. Um, though by far, being a pastor was his absolute favorite. He did that for almost 38 years, I think we decided, what it added up to. Um, I once heard that being in a pastor's family is something like living in a fishbowl, and I resonated with that because... Everyone has kind of seen bits and pieces of my family, whether it's on Facebook or just through the years of being in a pastor's family, but there's a lot of little crevices nobody's really ever seen in that fishbowl. So I'm going to tell you just a few things about dad from my perspective, but it's hard to whittle down 30 years of my life with dad into a speech. So this is just a few of my thoughts. My dad was very passionate uh, he had tons of energy and a brain that never, ever stopped. If we ever wanted that brain to slow down when he did it to go somewhere, we couldn't have cell service. <laughs> uh, he traveled the world, and we joked that Dad could only go anywhere as long as there was um, Coca-Cola, a hot shower, and paper towels. 
Uh, he loved food, steak and Oreos. Many of you in his congregation have dropped off those items over the past few years. Thank you for that. All of us have benefited. Uh, he loved music. One of our favorite memories was for a time uh, on Saturday mornings, he would blast Mr. Blue Sky from the office as he was prepping for his sermon. And then usually eventually would come out dancing and make all of us laugh. I don't know how that impacted his sermon the next day, but it seemed to be helpful for him. Uh, he didn't really enjoy running, which might be a surprise considering the amount of marathons my dad ended up running, but he enjoyed the communal aspect of it, if you can believe that. Um, he was always to be present for his, uh, he was ready to be present for his church members and to travel up to OHSU, to UCSF. Uh, any moment to perform graduation ceremonies, wedding ceremonies, to go over to your house and have dinner with you or take you out to a meal. Uh, I considered it an honor to be able to share my dad in that way, though many times it was uh, a challenge in our family. Um, he loved starting up conversations with anyone because he was genuinely interested in getting to know about that person. Um, even now, he recently he knows people by name at Costco his auto mechanics the server at the restaurant that we'd only be at for 10 minutes he could tell me the whole life story of the person when I went to the bathroom uh, he saw communication as a ministry opportunity because he would get to find out what they do about their life about their family and then they'd ask well what are you doing well I'm a pastor you can't really avoid the gospel at that point uh, so many people have come up to me and said the first interaction they had with my dad was him corralling them in the back of church, saying, i got to get to know you. Don't leave yet. But he didn't want anyone to be unwelcome, much like we were saying earlier. So as his daughter, I can say my dad was a really wonderful dad. He loved my mom like none other and supported her as she schooled us through the years. Thank you, Mom. Uh, he really worked to love his kids well. And my parents cared about not only our relationships with the Lord, most importantly, but our character growth, how we spoke to people, and always encouraged us to serve, no matter how crazy some of our ideas would be. They modeled this for us as well, through local and international missions, and one of them being through Johnny and Friends. That was a passion that both my dad and I were able to uh, enjoy together. Well, my dad and I are most alike out of anyone in our family, which also means that we bickered a whole lot. But the two of us having very short attention spans and a lot of energy, we love to talk about dreams and how we were going to accomplish all of them. Uh, God gave my husband and I a wonderful blessing in that my dad was able to meet my daughter Jane last August, which is just a testament again of how um, though we thought he might have only a few months to live after his diagnosis, God just kept saying, nope, nope, I need to keep using him. And uh, over the last few months, my husband and I moved in with my parents and were able to enjoy even more time with them. And that was um, just memories I will treasure forever. Through ALS, I saw a very different side of my dad that I've never seen. Um, my dad was still, and he was quiet, um, which I ended up kind of abusing a little bit because I would come in and I would just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and never be interrupted, <laughs> which was pretty wonderful at times. Um, but living with a dying man in the house is very humbling and beautiful at the same time. It's awful and yet bittersweet. Uh, you really zoom out your perspective of life and realize how petty a lot of our earthly worries are. 
Though there were times of fear and anger for my dad of the impending death process he would have to go through, there was still peace. Um, Many of you know my dad's last sermon um, before receiving his diagnosis was on John 8, 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. He reflected on this passage in a video he made that though he was scared at times of his impending form of death that God had chose for him, he asked, why would I doubt God now? He's been so faithful to me. My dad had confidence in Christ, not only because he had seen how God had worked in his life, but because of what we know of the gospel and God's word. The gospel of Jesus Christ says Christ came to earth. Jesus came to earth to die for us, even though we are dead in our trespasses. And as believers, that's the best news we can have. Um, uh, Since my dad is um, well known with um, many people I know, I've had a lot of interesting interactions with people since finding out about my dad's diagnosis. And one of them being, people have noted that people often turn to religion when they near death. And I just want to clear something up there is that being a Christian is not a rabbit's foot for us or a lucky charm. Uh, I don't do that to just make me feel good like a comforting blanket, though it is that. It does give me peace. We're all in need of Christ, falling short of God's glory. And his mercy is not just good for Ann Morgan or for Dale Metter or my family members. It's what we all need. And that's why we can all be here today celebrating. This is not something to be sad about. Um, the day before my dad's death, my brothers and I were in my dad's room, and it was very clear that uh, his death was coming soon. And he woke up briefly to spell out on his letter board, uh, is today my day? And we clarified, do you mean to die? And he said, yeah. And we said, well, are you ready? And confidently said, yes, I am. And ever since that day, I've just been pondering, am I, am I ready to die? Am I ready for that moment? And are you ready for that moment? Because you're all going to die. We're all going to die. And that's not morbid. That's just reality. And so I, I ask this, not just for you to get right with Jesus, but because you can have that same relationship with Jesus that my dad had and that I hope to emulate from Christ as well. Uh, because we have that confidence in Christ, we can echo 1 Corinthians 15.55. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Um, my heart aches with the loss of my dad in ways I can't even describe. Um, our house is a lot more quiet now without dad and has been over the last few years. And it's awful. Uh, but the ultimate sting of death is not there. So I hope you celebrate with us today. And uh, as, as you can tell, we've purposefully implemented lots of lighthearted moments here because that's exactly what Dad would have wanted. Because as believers, we have that joy. And so thank you all for being here. Again, Dad would have been tickled just to see all of you, and he would have wanted to meet every single one of you. Uh, but I'm really grateful for all of you being here. So thank you. the best service I've ever been to. I was keeping it together pretty well up until the Johnny video and uh, started falling apart. Uh, Ken and Johnny have been such good friends to my family and I'm grateful to them. I'm grateful to all of you as well. 
and Anne, great job. That was awesome. Just a great way to encapsulate who my dad was. I'm really grateful for that. On behalf of my family, I want to thank everyone here and also watching online. A friend of mine recently commented that memorial services, memorial services are not this well attended when the deceased is not a well-loved person. Thank you for showing that love by being here. If you're here because my dad owed you money, I have three words for you, Jack. This is not the venue. It's kind of a Joe Biden joke. Sorry. Thanks for laughing. Appreciate it. My name is David. I'm Dale's oldest son. I'm here with my three beautiful kids. Number two is Kate right here. And then we have Clara and Nathan down there as well. Uh, it's been both an honor and an oddity that I get to stand here at the spot where my dad preached for years to talk about my dad. Since dad's diagnosis, I've had plenty of time to think about the things that I've wanted to say about him and his service. A few months ago, I butted heads with him about something that is completely inconsequential now. But the conversation culminated with me, in tears, complimenting the man that he was. Now, you may be aware that Dad was incapable, completely, of receiving compliments. On the day of the argument, when I complimented him for the impact he'd had on my life, he predictably rolled his eyes. ALS had taken away much of his ability to return fire verbally, which was kind of nice. But I told him, Dad, at your memorial service, as an act of rebellion, I'm going to compliment the heck out of you. So that's what I'll attempt to do. But to echo the commentary already made here today, he was a man worthy of admiration. As a father myself, I can safely say that my dad firmly set the standards for what fatherhood should look like. I recently listened to an hours-long podcast with a well-known guy who caters to my demographic, post-9-11 military veterans now fighting complacency and dad bods. This guy, a former Navy SEAL, has written books on leadership and toughness, tactical decision-making, and is a hardcore athlete. He also markets his own energy drink. Throughout the long podcast, I also learned something about his relationship with his kids. He has zero relationship with them. I couldn't help but ask myself, what is the point of having a dadgum energy drink named after you if you have no relationship with your kids? I consider that an abject failure. But I also contrast it with the intentionality and sense of mission that my dad had with my siblings and I as his kids. Certainly, dad was an incredibly hard worker. He could have and probably should have been a published author, successful businessman, or a self-help guru. It was probably good that he was not a Navy SEAL, but I digress. In fact, that was a very good thing. Instead of focusing on worldly glory, fame, and wealth, he was committed to leading his family first. Though the life of a pastor is holistically all-encompassing and at times brutal, and though I have not relished the role of pastor's kid necessarily, I never once felt that his job came before his family. Here's a demo list of some examples just to kind of echo some of my sisters. Building 
massive playgrounds for his kids and his grandchildren, and for people in the church as well. Reading books to us as children nearly every night, devotionals, the Hardy Boys, biographies about World War I flying ace Eddie Rickenbacker, Carry On Mr. Bowditch, and these are all really random books that probably most of you don't know about, but he read them to us just to, just to uh, enjoy that time with us every night. He traveled with, with us a lot, went to Brazil, Washington, D.C., everywhere in San Diego County in Southern California. He also took me to West Point at the age of nine, a trip in which afterwards he said, wouldn't it be great if the Lord led you to a place like this? That was a great suggestion, Dad. Thank you. He also wrestled with us. He was very physical in such a great way. I remember long days at work, he would come home, he would shower, and he'd come out smelling of cheap Irish spring soap and head and shoulders or something like that. He would roll out this thick futon on the floor. It was probably, what, seven by seven. It was big and it was thick. And we'd just go to town to the point where it was borderline injury waiting to happen. And we'd wrestle really hard until my beloved sister would join in, and she would get hurt, and then the fun would stop. (laughs) Dad would pray with us. He would disciple us. He would lead us in devotionals consistently. He would also work hard to be present physically, emotionally, and spiritually, even in the face of major difficulties in his own life, in my mom's life, and in my family's life. He also set aside his own goals and hobbies in favor of that presence to the point where I didn't even understand until I was an older man how much he had sacrificed for his family. One of the challenges for me today is trying to distill all of the things that I could say about my dad down to a reasonable length. It's nearly impossible to do. Though dad was not perfect by any stretch, I want to end with a reiteration of what my dad knew to be the main point of his entire existence. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those words from Jesus in John 14, 6, if true, provide the basis for everything on which our existence hinges. I would encourage you to think about those words if you haven't already. Though my dad was imperfect, I'm incredibly grateful for the example of fatherhood that he represented to me, a microcosm of my spiritual relationship with God the Father. Thank you. I think the third hour is going to be canceled. I'm sorry. I didn't know whether flapping or soaring would be the appropriate action, but... Uh, I'm Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian Phelps, pastor of preaching here at Bear Creek Church. You know, it's my honor to have known and been a friend of Dale's, to be called into the ministry by him, to sit under his teaching and encouragement and equipping, as well as witnessing his incredible example of shepherding caring for a church family. And what an honor it was to to see a man live what he preached. 
Pastor Dale was preaching on the topic of death years before any diagnosis of ALS, and he lived it. He lived what he preached. He finished the race so well. Running with endurance, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so today, it's appropriate, as, as, as much as Anne and David held it all together and amazing, it's appropriate to cry. It's appropriate to mourn. It's appropriate to laugh. It's appropriate to sing and to celebrate. This, this service is quintessential Dale. It is so much um, a reflection of the man that we know and love. And so, because our hope is in the Almighty God who cannot fail to keep his promises to those who trust in Jesus, we know exactly where Dale is right now. Dale finished the race And he has heard those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. Around 25 years ago, I was working in my family's Christian bookstore. And in walks this this tan guy with a big smile, kind of a cheesy mustache, uh, and a box of donuts just wanting to say hi and to introduce himself. And I probably thought, okay, what's this guy's angle? I mean, who really does something like that? Have you ever met a person and thought, you know, this just can't be real? And sometimes you're right, and it's just a show. But with Dale, with others... Over the test of time, you realize, okay, that's really who this person is. Dale stood out. And if our little Christian bookstore had been a sitcom, he would have been that character where everyone knew his name, and everyone was happy to see him, and loudly greet him as he walked through the front door. That actually was what it was like. Some customers, you know... When, they, when you see him coming in, you get busy in the back room. Uh, with Dale, when you'd hear him come in, you'd want to go out front because there was a party going on. Dale and Nancy moved their young family here from Southern California to be closer to family, to start a new church. And this happened to be at the time when Jennifer and I were looking for a, a new church home. We were growing in our faith excited about stuff like Reformed theology, and I discovered that this, this new guy that was coming into the store, that he was a, a graduate from Westminster Theological Seminary, and I thought, well, that's an interesting combination. Bright, funny, Reformed. This might be just for us. And so over some weeks of Pastor Dale coming in, to Evangel and and getting to know him. There was one day after he paid for his books and was headed out the door, I said, I said, hey Dale, where does your church meet? What time? 
you know, I, I'd like to come. And he said something very unexpected to me. He said, ah, you don't want to come to my church. And, and I laughed thinking he's joke, joking, of course. And, and he just kept walking out the door. <laughs> and, you know, next time in, I'm like, no, no, really, tell me. And same thing, he did it twice to me. Um, eventually, we figured out when and where Bear Creek Church met. We showed up. Our, our first time there, Dale greeted us. He met Jennifer. He met um, Devin and Brenna. They were, what, three, four years old at the time. Uh, uh, met them, learned their names that first Sunday, and uh, we immediately loved this church. We immediately loved his preaching, uh, and we came the next week, and Dale greeted us as we're coming through the door, and he says, hey, Brenna, hey, Devin, and we thought, oh, this guy knows our kids' names already. This is, this is home. Over the years, I would mention his strange approach to church marketing and that he used reverse psychology on me, and he liked to joke that, nah, I never wanted you to come to this church. <laughs> there are so many memories, so many faces out here. It's so good to see you all, and I know you have a ton of memories. I hope you wrote a note, and you're going to drop them and leave them in the box there. There are so many memories. I, I'd say that Dale was not only a great friend, but he he showed me, he showed us what a real pastor is and how the church is precious and indispensable to the Christian life. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you avoid the church, then let me just say that your understanding of Jesus is really sadly small because the church is critical. And that's one thing I grew up in the church, but I didn't really love the church until I was experiencing it and seeing what Pastor Dale taught us. You know, only um, after a, probably a couple of months at Bear Creek Church, Jen was diagnosed with cancer. And one evening at home, we got a call from Dale saying, hey, I left some ice cream on your porch. And I thought, what pastor does that? What pastor travels up to Portland on many occasions of surgery? One time sleeping in the hospital waiting room with us because he wanted to be with us as our daughter Devin was, was uh, having her fourth open heart surgery. When people think of, when you think of Christian discipline, what do you, or I'm sorry, Christian discipleship, what do you think of? Do you think of a one-on-one -on -one meeting and going through a workbook and filling your mind with foundational biblical truths. I mean, that, that might be a part of it. And I love theology. I love seeing and knowing who God is. But if this doesn't move us to actually do the word, to love one another, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice, then are we becoming disciples of Christ? I grew up in the church, and I've always appreciated the church, but I've never really loved and understood what the church truly is until Pastor Dale taught us, not only by 
the preaching of the word, but by his actions and by his love for us. The day he went home to be with the Lord, the elders were blessed to be there with his sweet wife Nancy and their family. And I think it was Elder Steve Murphy who commented on the life-changing impact Dale had on each of us. And that none of us, none of us elders that were present would be elders, would be pastors, if not for Dale. It's true, Dale was, he was a gifted, very gifted teacher. And the very best pastor shepherd I've ever seen. He truly loved and cared for his flock. And he was also very gifted in the area of raising up pastors and missionaries, as you've seen by Pastor Sam's video. I see this in our lives. I see it. I love the ministry, Brink Ministry, the ministry of Pastor Sam Machaka in Zimbabwe. It's a work that focuses on equipping those who equip. Equipping pastors to rightly preach and teach God's word. Now I have to confess that when I was younger, my greatest fear was always any form of public speaking. My greatest torture in high school, oh, it was that required public speaking class. I think the class before I would um, probably throw up every time thinking about going to that public speaking class. I hated it. So the thought of being a pastor one day, you know, it really would have been more of a nightmare than a dream. Some of you have a dream for what you would want to do. That, In my mind, this would be a nightmare. Dale's discipleship with me began in men's group, asking or telling me, hey, how about next week you lead? You lead the study. Eventually, he challenged me to preach, and he said, um, or I responded, of course, no way. Uh, he, he asked a few times, over two years. And, and then one day, I just realized, you know, I'm being disobedient to God. My pastor is calling me to preach. God is calling me to preach through my pastor, and I'm not doing it because I'm afraid. And so I, I truly, I stepped out in faith. I said yes. I couldn't believe I said yes. I thought of Romans 8.28, that God would use this for good. And yet I also understood that, that, that good can mean many things. That being humbled, you know, that's good. Um, that even... If my first time preaching, you know, it could be very memorable. I, thought, I, was, I, I seriously thought this. I thought, you know, if I throw up in front of everyone and faint, that might be the good that God wants to do to humble me. It'd be, it'd be you know, humility is a good thing in the Christian life. So that, that might be it. Thankfully, I didn't pass out and I eventually... Um, I did what I never thought I would ever do. I, would, I left my family's business. And I came on staff here at Bear Creek Church with opportunities to teach and to preach. And truly, I would have been very happy to be in, a, in an associate pastor's role, a supporter. I loved 
my friend and just being alongside of him and, and encouraging his gifts and having opportunities. I, I could have done that for the rest of my life. And I don't presume to understand God's ways, but I trust that, that this is good. And that each believer here will one day in glory see that all of your sufferings, all of your sufferings are a part of God's perfect wisdom and goodness and love. That God withholds no good thing from those who love him. That by comparison, this, this too is light and momentary in light of the eternal weight of glory that this brings. I love 2 Corinthians 4. I love the realization, whether it's, whether it's possible to comprehend in this life or not, I love the truth that our sufferings are not wasted. They are not random. It's not just, it's not just life happening here or something outside of God's control that, that he then reacts to and scrambles and, and tries to fix and make good out of it. No, God ordains all things for our good, for the good of those who love him. I love the comforting, awe-inspiring truth that God is so far above our ability to see and comprehend his sovereign control. That each of our sufferings is purposeful. Do you ever think about that? The sufferings that you're going through, that if you're a believer, that God has a good a good purpose. They're purposeful. Each of our sufferings comes from the hand of God for our good and his glory. That we have this, this treasure of the gospel. And we are like jars of clay and the angels marvel at this. We are so unworthy to be witnesses and vessels of the glory of God. To communicate that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That through, though we are afflicted in every way, because of our certain hope in Jesus, we are not crushed. ALS did not crush Pastor Dale. And as crushing as our grief may be, we have hope. Not a, okay, when I say hope, I don't mean, not the, you know, cross your fingers, wish upon a lucky star kind of hope, but a certain hope. A resurrection hope. A hope that comes from Almighty God who cannot lie. Who cannot fail to keep his promises to us. So for believers, don't wish. Don't cross your fingers. Believe God. He is worthy. He is able. Yes, we're perplexed. Yes, we don't understand his ways and why God would take such a wonderful, amazing man like this in the midst of his ministry. I don't get it. I don't like it to some degree. In a lot of ways. I don't presume to understand it. But what I do know is that we are not meant to despair. Scripture tells us, that the persecuted believers, though suffering greatly, are not forsaken by God. That even though they are struck down, they are not destroyed. And God has his purposes and he rewards those who trust in him. 
in his body, Pastor Dale was carrying about the death of Jesus. ALS stinks. It's a terrible disease. It's a terrible disease that simply looks like and leads to death. His body died, and yet, because he is in Christ and because Jesus rose from the dead, because he defeated death, death has no hold on this beloved pastor and friend. This brother, this husband, this father, this grandpa. Death has no hold on him. It has no hold because the life of Jesus is manifested in those who are united to him. Jesus is eternal life. And those who know and love him have the hope of eternal life. Dale is absent from the body and present with the Lord. And one day, just like Jesus, he and we will have new resurrected bodies. No more sin. No more ability to sin. No more sickness. No more suffering. No more death. So yes, we weep, we mourn, but oh, we have the very promise of God. And so our weeping and mourning is mixed and eventually overcome with joy. We declare this because God's word is true. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence. The verse, verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 4 tells us a reason for all of this. A reason for all of this. Do you want to hear it? It's that grace may extend. That grace may extend to more and more people. And I love this thought because Dale was all about people. He was a pastor to the end. Always asking others, always mindful and praying for others. A week before his death, I got a, one opportunity to visit him. And, you know, I was there, I was, I was ministering to him, talking to him, praying for him. And what does he do? He, he pulls his air mask up and he says, how's Jennifer doing? Is she doing all right? Grace extending to more and more people to increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Oh, I'm, I am so thankful to God for my pastor and friend. And mindful of this, let me share the last part of 2 Corinthians 4. With this in mind, with this in mind, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So yes, yes, go ahead, eat right, work out. Take your supplements. Take care of the body God has given you with ministry in mind, with people in mind, with extending more and more grace to others in mind. But the reality is, you can't keep it from wasting away. And if you know Jesus, 
then God's will for you is his sanctification. His setting you apart for his good purposes. His conforming you to the image of Christ. And there's something about suffering that that produces growth in our inner being. Pastor Dale liked to point out that most people would say that they they didn't grow much in their relationship with Jesus during those times of comfort, but instead in seasons of suffering. Times that force us to cling to Him and see our need of Him as our Savior and our greatest treasure. Your goal is not your best life now. Jesus is your best life now. Jesus is your best life and people tend to they tend to comprehend this when all of the various earthly gifts fade and we realize that they're not the satisfaction for which we thirst. Are you thirsty? Are you looking for satisfaction in a bucket list or or even in good things like like family and marriage? God is the giver of every good gift, but the gifts are not meant to replace him. Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Don't look for satisfaction in the things that you see, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're they're transient. They won't last. They'll fade. You'll get bored with them and, and want to find something else. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Jesus is eternal life. And those who hope in him understand that the afflictions of this life, the afflictions of this life, well, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, they're actually light and momentary when compared to this unseen eternal weight of glory, something that's beyond anything this life has to offer you. I love that God speaks in these terms of mystery that we don't we don't see clearly or understand what what this experience what this weight of glory is going to look like and yet we know deep within our souls that somehow this this weight this weighty glory is connected to our sufferings that our sufferings are purposeful, that one day we're going to really see, we're going to really understand, we're going to get it, and we're going to praise and thank God for how he used each of us and how he used each and every suffering in our life for a far surpassing good. We're not called, this doesn't mean that we're, we're supposed to just ignore pain. We're not called to ignore pain. I don't think a Christian memorial service should ignore the loss and grief. Yes, it's temporary. And yes, we we celebrate. We celebrate the certain reality of what Dale is experiencing right now. 
but oh, it still hurts. As Pastor Dale taught me through his words and actions, the church is a family. And it's right for us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Death stings. It's an enemy, but Jesus defeated it. And we have a real hope in Christ and Christ alone. Dale's reality is a great one. Right now at this very moment, he is experiencing a weight of glory unlike anything this life ever showed him. And this isn't some... This isn't some sappy, sentimental, nice thought. It's reality. And with this in mind, we do rejoice. And we look forward to a great reunion. If this is confusing to you, please ask. Please ask me. Please ask one of the elders that have come up. We would love to talk to you about the hope that we have in Jesus. So please ask, our hope is not in ourselves. It's not in earning any good standing with God by being nice or kind. No, our hope is in Jesus, who alone, Jesus who alone is good, who alone is without sin. Okay, let's face it, none of us are good. None of us are good. All of us are like sheep who have gone astray. We can't hope in ourselves because we've turned, every one of us, we've turned to his own way. And this is why Jesus came. He came to reconcile us to God, to give us eternal life because the penalty for our crimes against God, our sin, is death. And the way of salvation means that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that we deserve for our sins was put on him on the cross. This was the price, the justice that we deserve. He, he took in our place. It's the only way to bring about true healing and peace with God. So you're not good, but Jesus is. Eternal joy is offered to you by recognizing your sin, confessing it to God and turning from it. And turning from it, you, you turn to Jesus and you walk with him. You walk in the opposite direction of your sin. You look to Jesus as the only Savior, the only one that is good. Have faith in him. Look to him for forgiveness of sin and a right standing with God. So many memorial services simply presume that when a person dies, they go to a better place. And so if they like golf or fishing, then we hear silly things that they're, they're up there playing the best golf ever. The best fishing ever. 
And that's just simply sentimentalism. Something people say or imagine or wish because they don't know what else to say. But the reality is that Jesus spoke of a place called hell more than any, anyone else did in the Bible. Oh, but God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, meaning that whoever recognizes their need for the one and only Savior because left to themselves, they're bound for hell and not for some golf course in the sky. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Dale's in heaven right now. He's in heaven right now, and it's, it's because Jesus is his Savior, and God cannot lie. Heaven and the eternal state, is, it's an incredible reality to think about. You know, and, and one of Dale's favorite authors, Randy Alcorn, wrote a, he wrote a big book on heaven. I know Pastor Jim said we had Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven, for you. No, we have the booklet, Heaven. Which is really good too. But um, we have this little booklet that I really want you to take home. I'm not just, certainly if, you, if you're confused about Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, certainly take that. If you're not sure about heaven, take one home. If you're a Christian that knows and looks forward to heaven, take one home. Parents, talk to your kids about heaven. There's a lot of great things in that little book. It's a, it's a wonderful, I love memorial services where we can talk about the realities of life and eternity. In this little booklet, here are some of the questions that this booklet answers. Is heaven the final destination or is it the new earth? What will we look like in heaven? What will we do for all eternity? That's a good one. Because I think another one is, is it going to be boring? So many people have strange ideas of being like an angel on a cloud playing on a harp. That would be torture. And that is not what heaven or the new earth will be like because we're going to have resurrected bodies eventually and on a new earth. And oh, I have so many questions about what that's going to be like. What will our relationship with God be like? Will we have our own homes was one of the questions in that booklet. That's an interesting question. Will, will we know everything when we get there? I'll give you the answer to that one. No, you won't. Because again, that would be really boring if you knew everything instantly. But instead, we're going to have an eternity of, of what is exciting, learning, exploring, growing. Can people in heaven see what's happening here on earth? That was another question. And as fascinating as these questions are, here's the most important one. How can we know for sure that we'll go to heaven? This booklet will guide you to the right answer. And again, please come and talk to us. We want to guide you as well and help you in your journey uh, of faith. The answer is only found in Jesus. So be sure to take one, read it through with your kids. 
And if there are extras, take an extra and give it away to someone. Dale faced death with great certainty. Certainty because he knew that he was a sinner who needed a savior because by God's grace, through faith, he embraced Jesus in this life. And so we know, we know without a doubt that he's with Jesus right now. What a glorious hope. What a wonderful savior. Thank you so much for being here today. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we praise you for your glorious grace to us in Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is our helper, our comforter, the one who continually brings us to Jesus. And so we pray for Nancy and all the family that your spirit would help and comfort and that you would use us to minister to them in ways like they have so generously ministered to us over these years. Lord, Pastor Dale wanted this time to be bright and joyful and focused on Jesus. He, he wanted those who don't know Jesus to see him now. And so we pray that you would speak and enlighten their hearts to the knowledge of your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the incredible blessing of Dale Metter and how you used him in so many fun and creative and helpful ways for the sake of Jesus, in whose name we now pray. Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for being here today. Please, um, I hope you can stay. That was always something that, that Dale would encourage. I hope you can stay, right? Uh, search out someone that you don't know. Ask them about themselves. Get to know who they are. Let's do that. In a Dale-like fashion, seek out that person. Get to know them. We're going to have food and drink available, so, so please feel free to, to stay. Feel free also to unlock these chairs and turn them into circles or squares or trapezoids or whatever works to, to eat and get to know one another. So, uh, and also, please leave a card, a note to the family, uh, grab Johnny's story, and grab one of those booklets on heaven. God bless you. Thank you so much.